Well, good morning, King of Kings. It is a privilege to be gathered together in worship with you this morning. And this quarantine thing is real. And there have been some immense challenges and hurdles that we have faced. But it's also been a blessing and a privilege in our household in a lot of ways. And it actually reminds me when I think back to my childhood about just more and more focused family time and doing activities together as a family. And we have two kids, 12 and 8, and they're generally self-sufficient. But we want to provide creative activities and outlets for them as individuals, but also for us together as a family. And so one of our favorite activities has been pulling the fire pit out on the driveway and roasting marshmallows. And there are two main ways to roast these marshmallows with some hybrid methodologies kind of mixed in there. The first camp is the quick light it on fire. The second camp is the slow roast golden brown. And some of the ways you could describe these, the first camp, it's more of the impulsive, impatient, some might even say childish. The second one is more of a wise, mature, filled with the Spirit. And so we pulled the fire pit out on the driveway, had some logs going on fire, and here's a picture of our fire pit. And just a word, we want to speak some wisdom into your life. You don't want to roast right away when the flames are still going. That's sure to light them on fire right away. You want to have some patience, enjoy the fire, enjoy the company, and wait till there's a nice little coal pocket you have there. And so the second picture shows the outcome. My daughter with half the marshmallow going down her face, and there is my creation, the perfectly roasted marshmallow. What I even did in this roast is I took it off the skewer, rotated it 180 degrees, put it back on, and roasted the back side of this marshmallow. And I feel very strongly about the slow roast, and all of you should as well. And so at that moment, that evening, I was moved by the Spirit of God. And I'm not big on social media or posting pictures, but I thought, let's post these pictures and a small poll on Facebook and say, do you fall in the quick burn camp or are you more in the slow roast golden brown camp? And so when we were finished, I posted these pictures and the poll on Facebook. And as the kids say, it went viral. And very quickly, marshmallow roasting was the third highest trending topic around the globe. Okay, that's not really true at all. But there were a lot of comments online. And what I began to do with these comments online is troll, I mean, engage them in dialogue over the methodologies of marshmallow roasting. And we had some fun, some back and forth about the different methodologies. And one friend from King of Kings, who I will not mention their name, said this. Burn them. I responded, so sad. And then she said, don't judge me. The idea of judgment is one of the most hated things in our culture today. And we're continuing on in a sermon series, Things Jesus Never Said. If you missed week one, Peter Bay did an incredible job teaching on the statement, God will not give you more than you can handle, and how that's a false statement and thing that Jesus never said. 
In week two, we want to look at the phrase, only God can judge me. And there are some truths to this statement, but it's not something that Jesus ever said. Actually, the statement that only God can judge me is attributable to the ancient philosopher Tupac Shakur. And so this phrase of only God can judge me is known by religious and irreligious people equally. And our current culture pushes back on any hint of judgment. But I think the motivation behind this is that we want to be our own God. We want to determine what is right and wrong in my life and not let anyone from the outside come in and speak their opinion. It allows freedom and an escape from moral accountability. But the ironic thing that even the phrase, don't judge me, is a judgment on someone else's actions. And so again, back to the phrase, only God can judge me. There is some truth behind this that God is the judge of all eternity, of our souls beyond life. But the nuances of the word judgment, it's a loaded word, and there's so much in this word. And actually there's a call, and it's a gift for believers within the body of Christ to hold each other accountable in a healthy way. So if you have your Bibles at home, on your phone, whatever you're using to access Bibles, open to Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 6. And this is smack dab in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, one of Jesus' longest sermons. And at this point, he has just assembled his 12 disciples. He's taken them up on a hillside, and he's gathering them to reveal the secrets of the kingdom of God to them. And there are crowds gathering around, and he's speaking these values to each of these disciples. Here we go, verse 1. Judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck? Notice the size differences. The speck that is in your brother's eye, but you don't notice the log that is in your own eye. Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Verse 6, a heavy verse which gets left out sometimes in teaching on this section. Do not give dogs what is holy. Do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn and attack you. So judgment, as I said before, it's a loaded word. And we throw it out in a blanket statement, and it gives us the freedom to push back on anything that's spoken to us. But in this context, the judgment, it's an even higher level of judgment. And it's defined as to rule over, to govern over, to pronounce right and wrong, to pronounce a sentence of judgment like a judge would over someone's wrongdoing. And in a sense, this type of judgment is actually elevating yourself to a different position that you don't deserve. And so the first thought we want to look at tonight, Jesus in this passage, he is condemning hypocritical, self-righteous judgment and not all moral judgment. The judgment that Jesus is speaking against in this text is hypocritical, self-righteous judgment, and not all moral judgment. So this text reveals that there is a moral basis. The follower of Jesus uses the Bible, the words of Jesus, as our foundation of truth. Having a plank in your eye and a speck in your eye are both bad. Maybe the different magnitudes and degrees, but it's bad. In the prior chapter, in chapter 6, Jesus is speaking on prayer, on giving to the needy, and on fasting. 
And he speaks against the hypocrites in this context as well. And he's saying there's a right way and there's a wrong way to do this. Shortly after this judgment section, verses 1 through 6, he warns the disciples of false teachers. So the judgment in this context is not all moral judgment. The Christ follower, the believer, has a foundation of morality. But what Jesus is speaking against is hypocritical, self-righteous judgment that elevates ourself beyond our pay grade to a role that is not our role to exercise judgment. And when we picture Jesus so often, it's, it's a gentle Jesus, a meek and mild Jesus. He's, he's holding a, a sheep and, and stroking the sheep. And in some ways, that's, that's true. That's one element of who Jesus is. But we see a ferocious Jesus that responds to hypocritical, self-righteous, arrogant people throughout the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And the religious leaders, we see this behavior from them consistently. And they are oppressing the lower classes of people, and they are pronouncing and exhibiting judgment over them and their lives, while in turn they're living secret lives and not living up to their own standards. And Jesus says in this text, he's saying, you want to exercise an elevated judgment on someone else? That's how God is going to exercise judgment to you. We can't even live up to our own standards, much less God's standards for us. And then what he does is he gives this example, this illustration, this contrast in size. It's a huge magnitude. First he talks about a speck, and he says, who are you to go to your neighbor and pick out a speck? And in this context, they're using the word brother, so it's a fellow believer. And then while you all along, you have this huge plank that's sticking out of your eye. And you're walking around trying to pick out specks from your brother's eyes while neglecting the huge freaking plank that's in your own eye. And all this does is hurt and injure the people around you. Judgment in this context is really about poor eyesight. Both literally and metaphorically, judgment with a plank in your own eye is really about poor eyesight. And if I walk around with this pole sticking out of my eye, I'm going to do more harm than good and injure people around me. So the second thought for today, the Christ follower begins with your own plank before helping others around you with healthy accountability. There's a difference between judgment and healthy accountability, and healthy accountability is a gift for the church. And so what Jesus is saying here is you actually start with yourself before you're able to go and help anyone else with a speck that's in their own eye, you begin with the own plank that's in your eye. A verse that's so convicting and helpful for me is Romans 3.23, and it says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And when I realize in my own life that I've rebelled and walked away from God's desires and God's wishes— There's no longer a place to elevate myself and issue judgment on people around me because I'm humbled. I have a need for a Savior, and this impacts my view on others. 
As I mentioned before, uh, we've had some activities for our kids. And my daughter, she's eight, she's amazing, and she's into arts and crafts. That's not my skill set, so my wife kind of helps her in that capacity. So they've had a variety of activities around the house. And one thing she did, they got some some sticky paper and some different colored uh, tissue paper to glue on and then to cut out and to make different shapes. And so here's a picture of our front storm door. And she has three different pictures there. And on the top, you can see there's just a beautiful cross. And the second one, I don't know if that is an Easter bunny or a hook'em horns. We'll go hook'em horns. And you can't boo me because there's no one in the room right now. It's amazing. But we'll go hook'em horns with that one. And then third, you see a beautiful rainbow. And every night before I, I go to bed, I go and I check the doors and I lock. And one night after she'd made these beautiful creations, I looked out the peephole. Here's a picture of that. And all I could see in front of my eyes was a cross. The cross greatly impacted everything else that I saw. And this is what Jesus is saying and his followers are called to do, is to always have the cross before our eyes. It changes our perspective and it brings humility in my own life. So when I walk throughout the body of Christ and bring healthy accountability to people around me, it's from a humble, gentle posture and not a judgmental posture. And so what Jesus says in this text, he says, you remove the plank from your own eye, and then it's not the end of the parable. He doesn't say, then go off and live your own life. But no, there's a second part to the parable. Once I remove, I come to someone who can remove this plank from my eye, Then I come and I'm called to actually help out someone who has a speck that's hurting their own eye. And if I saw someone that had something harmful in their life, a fellow believer, and I didn't help them out, that is unkind and that is unloving and is not the call of Jesus. His call is to actually walk with each other in community, healthy accountability, and help each other in this journey of life. I experienced this my senior year of high school, which is just a couple years ago. I was moving towards graduation, and the opportunity to go on a senior trip to Cancun came up. And my friends and I, we jumped at the potential trip to Cancun, and for whatever reason, my dad said yes. Just a quick public service announcement to any parent whose graduate has a senior trip to Cancun, no is the answer, just say no. So for whatever reason, my dad obliged, and he said, sure, you can go. So we went on a trip, me and my buddies, with little to no supervision. And we did exactly what you think we would do in Cancun as a bunch of teenagers. We had long nights with long prayer walks on the beach. We held tent revivals, and we just proclaimed the good news of Jesus. We had in-depth Bible studies, and we just spent time with the Lord. Okay, it was nothing like that whatsoever. It was partying, it was late nights, it was everything that you would think teenagers in Cancun would do. And I remember getting back and one of my best friends who wasn't on the trip, and he was my future roommate in in college, and I was talking to him in my living room and just sharing what we did in Cancun, and he listened for a while, and then he responded, and he said, Mike, is this what college will look like for you? Like, we're rooming together, and this is not what I would expect from you. You're a follower of Jesus, and you're not called to live this way. And my first response, I'd never been talked to by someone like that except for my parents, was a defensive posture. 
And then the conviction of that moment sunk in, and I realized he's exactly right. My lifestyle is not matching up with my belief set. He, as a believer, walked with me in this journey, and he called me on my actions. Galatians 6, verse 1. It says, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. That word gentleness is crucial. Ephesians 4, verse 15, it talks about speaking the truth in love. There must always be this balance of truth and love and approaching a fellow believer in gentleness. For those of you that have kids, imagine the scenario that your kid got something small in their eye. My guess is your first move wouldn't be to run to the garage, grab the power tools, come back, and just start drilling away in their eye. No, you would approach them with the utmost care and caution. The eye is a very sensitive area, and you have to approach it very cautiously. And this is what Jesus is saying here. I don't think that aggressive criticism or hypocritical judgment has ever helped anyone out. But this idea of approaching gently, this is how we do it relationally. And a few things that I've seen in my past have been spoken to me, that I've spoken to others that have been helpful. The first thing, again, is that cross-eyed posture where I begin with myself. I realize the grace that has been extended to me through the cross, through the death, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I begin with myself. Secondly, I look at what's my relationship like with this person? Do I know their story? Do they trust me? Have we had hard conversations before? Can we have this conversation? That's a huge piece to this healthy accountability. Thirdly, what's my motivation behind it? Because I can shift off an unhealthy correction in someone's life where I want to become the judge over them, and that's not the position. But a humble kingdom motivation, where I'm trying to speak the truth in love to them, that's a healthy way. Then lastly, thinking through the method. When do I speak to them? How do I speak to them? And how do I move forward? So doing this with gentleness, with love, and a balance of truth. Lastly, in this last verse of the, the parable Jesus gives us, the last point says this, we point those outside the faith community to Jesus, and we don't point out the specks in their eye. There are different boundaries inside, and so we point those in the faith community, outside the faith community, to Jesus, and we don't point out the specks that are in their eye. And so verse 6, let me read that again for you guys. It says, do not give dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot, and they turn, and they attack you. And these are hard words, but dogs and pigs in the context of Scripture refers to those that are outside of the community of faith. And so Jesus is saying there are different boundaries for those within the community of faith and those that are currently outside the community of faith. And he gives illustration of dogs and pigs, and it's just saying that these people outside the community of faith, they will not grasp the entire value of the gospel, the message of Jesus. And so imagine you have a dog at home, and I know many of you believe that your dog is as smart as a human being. That might be true in some cases. My bet is that I could have a perfectly cooked steak and a can of dog food and present this before the dog and he's not going to be able to articulate the fine points of the cut of meat and how it was cooked. 
All the dog cares about is eating in that moment. And the same is true if you have a hungry pig. If I stepped into an arena where a pig was living and I knew he was hungry and coming at me, if I had just this beautiful, exquisite pearl and bent down and a hungry pig kind of came up to me, the pig wouldn't stop and really identify the unique attributes and the exquisite characteristics that that pearl had. He would see it's not edible, but me, the person holding that pearl before him, is edible. And Jesus is saying they would trample you. So this idea of pointing out specks in someone that's outside the community of faith, that's not our role. It truly is a gift within the context of the church community. That word community is common unity. There is a set of beliefs the truths of Scripture that are our foundation. We have the same playing field, and we can actually give healthy accountability as a gift to fellow believers in our circle of influence. But once we move outside the body of Christ, that's no longer our role. We are not called to remove specks from their eyes. They have a different foundation of morality. Christians so often want to just argue moral points with unbelievers, and we don't have the same foundation and the context. But our role in that situation is to point them to Jesus. They don't care about our morality. They need to know how broken they are and their own need for a Savior. So it is never our role to impose healthy judgment upon them. But what we do in this moment is we reveal Jesus as the righteous judge to them. We are not the judge. Jesus was the perfect judge. And when Jesus came and he found me and he found you with a plank sticking out of our eye, he didn't come with harsh judgment. Jesus came gently. He came with love. And he gently pulled this plank out of my eye. And then he fashioned that plank into a cross. And he of his own free will climbed upon that cross and he gave his life for the judgment that I deserved because I have rebelled against God and you've rebelled against God as well. And he offers this grace to me and to you in this situation. And God the Father executed judgment on his son who lived a perfect life that we couldn't live and he offers us grace. So Jesus came first with this grace. And my encouragement for us today is to receive this grace that God has offered through his son. And from that moment, we're sent out to be ambassadors of grace and love and truth. Let me pray for us. So God, I just pray in this moment that your spirit comes in power. God, that there is conviction of hearts that are gathered online today. Lord, where have I been judgmental? Where have you been judgmental of those around you? Let us return to the beauty of the cross and see that Jesus gave everything to take away the plank and the speck that I could have life now and life eternal with God the Father. And Lord, let us always keep that cross right square in our vision. And that we see people that we encounter on an everyday basis as those who are in need of a saving relationship with Jesus. Just thanks for who you are, the love that you've shown to us. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
family of King of Kings and beyond, I want to encourage you. There's a button on your screen. If there's anything we can pray for you for, there is a live person who will reach out to you, and they will just pray for you, listen to you, and hear what's going on in your life. If there's any other next steps in your journey of faith, just reach out there, and we would love to connect with you. Join us next week for week three in Things Jesus Never Said. Love you guys. Have an awesome week.